0: going to be looking at the passage, Acts chapter 17. can be found in your pew Bible on page 1723. Now, as you turn there, I want to let everyone know that we are into our second week of the Explore God Chicago initiative. Churches all across the Chicago area have joined together to discuss and to preach on these seven big questions that seekers have, that people who are curious about Christianity have. And last week we discussed, does life have a purpose? And we talked about that that purpose that we have is grounded in being created in the image of God, and created to work or to worship God and to fellowship with Him forever. But today we're talking about the question, Is there a God? Is there a God? And hopefully, as we look at our passage this morning, you will discover that together. 1723. I need to get bookmarks. This is Paul in one of his missionary journeys. And he just left Thessalonica. He was in Berea. He had to leave Thessalonica because the people wanted to kill him. This isn't Paul going into cities and starting riots on purpose. This is Paul preaching the gospel faithfully. And what we're discovering is that it's turning the world upside down. And so his friends say, look, Paul, get out of here. Just go on. We'll, We'll come after you. And so he goes on to Berea. And then he goes to Athens, and this is our passage this morning, Acts 17, starting in verse 16. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began a dispute with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus, where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears. and We want to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. Now what you worship as something unknown I am going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything, because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. For one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him He has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered. But others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. At that, Paul left the council. A few men became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysius, a member of the Areopagus. Also a woman named Damaris and a number of others. As for the reading of God's holy word, the flower fades, the grass withers, but the word of the Lord stands forever. We pray with me. Father God, help us as we look to your word that we may be faithful to it and that we may display all your glory and the goodness of the good news of Jesus Christ in it. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Many of you probably know uh, Stephen Hawking. He's a well-known physicist. Um, He's the guy that talked through the The bleeping box, you know what I'm talking about. And I'm not being rude by saying that. He's well known for that. He passed away recently. But he wrote a book right before he passed away. And this book discussed brief answers to big questions. From his desk at Cambridge University and beyond, Stephen Hawking set his mind spiraling into the deepest depths of black hole's radiating across the endless cosmos and swirling back billions of years to witness time's first birth and he even thought maybe there was multiple universes. He viewed creation simply as a scientist and he was called to discuss big questions where do we come from what's our purpose are we alone is there a god? He often answered in ways that uh, religious people did not particularly enjoy. The professor begins this book of 10 intergalactic essays by addressing life's oldest and most religiously fraught question of all. Is there a God? Hawking's answer, compiled from decades of prior interviews, essays and speeches with the help of his family, colleagues in the Stephen Hawking estate, should come as no surprise to readers who have followed his work religiously. I think... He says, the universe was spontaneously created out of nothing, according to the laws of science. Hawking, who died in March, wrote, Quote, if you accept, as I do, that the laws of nature are fixed, then it doesn't take long to ask, what role is there for God? In Hawking's mind, because the universe is a singularity, that is, time itself could not have existed before the Big Bang, then... To what happened before the Big Bang is this. There was no time before the Big Bang. And since there was no time, there was no God. Hawking probably should have read his Bible. Because one of the first things we learn about God is that he is eternal. Outside of time. Nonetheless, he came up with a way to explain our existence apart from God. And there are many like him. Today, yet the reason he did this was not because the existence of God is not evident to all. It's not because his science, theoretical as it was, could disprove God. Because it's very clear, God has made himself known to each and every one of us. He has revealed himself to us. This is true because His Word tells us so. And right into the church in Rome, the Apostle Paul made a riveting statement. He said, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. What's Paul saying here? He's saying every single person made in the image of God knows that God exists, because he has revealed himself. This is why an old confession begins with these words, concerning the ways God has revealed himself to us. First, by the creation, preservation, and government of the universe, which is before our eyes as a most elegant book. You see, Stephen Hawking saw that. He looked at the world and he said, look, there are laws here. This universe is ordered. It's purposeful. But then he said, that doesn't mean there's a lawgiver. Because of his sin, he suppressed the truth. He pushed down what he knew to be true. He did not want to keep the knowledge of God in his mind. And that's what sin does to all of us, apart from the grace of God. But everyone knows God exists. And that's what I'm going to show us today. God has revealed himself in his creation, in the conscience, and in Christ. God has revealed himself in creation, in the conscience, and in Christ. And that's what we see in Acts 17. First, we need to know what's going on here. Paul goes to Athens. And he sees something that stirs his emotions. It's something that's very obvious. In Athens, there's a lot of idol worshipers. You know, the statues and the temples and things like that. And Paul, as a Jew, one of the biggest convictions he has is those Ten Commandments. It's that commandment that says... You shall have no idols. You shall not bow down to them. And so Paul, with that conviction, begins to proclaim. First to the synagogue and with the Jews, as he always did. Then to the God-fearing Greeks. And then in the marketplace, day by day. But Athens is a sophisticated place, you know. Well-educated folk. And so these philosophers say, what is this babbler? talking about. He's going on and on. He's going, he's a babbler. They said, "She's to be advocating foreign gods. They're okay with adding more gods to their array of gods. That's what they like. But they took him, right? To talk about this at the Areopagus, Mars Hill, the big place where you You come to hear all the new stuff, all the new news, all the wonderful new ideas. And Paul, he seems to be talking about a new idea. What's the content of his message? It's about Jesus and the resurrection. Paul is proclaiming the gospel. He's being clear with it. He's being purposely direct. He's preaching about Christ who came, who lived, who died who came back to life and how people can have salvation from their sins by believing in him, by having faith in him. They want to hear this new teaching, these strange ideas. This is just because it's novel to them, right? This is just novel to them. So Paul stood up in the Areopagus and he said, I can see that you are very religious People. Now this is important because it harkens back to what we talked about last week. Because I said what? Because we are made in the image of God, we are created to worship God and to enjoy Him forever. And the fact is we cannot escape that reality. It's imprinted upon who we are. And so if we do not worship God, we will worship something else. That's who we are as worshiping people. And that's exactly what these people in Athens are doing. They're expressing the image of God in a sinful way. They are using their worshiping characteristics to worship false gods. And Paul does something clever. He takes account of everything going around. And he looks and he sees, wow, these people are so religious. They didn't want to leave out a God they might have missed on the list. So they made an idol to the unknown God. That's, you know, just kind of checking off that box, like, we'll just cover our bases. And Paul says, what you worship as unknown, I proclaim to you now. How perfect perfect is this passage to answer the question, is there a God? Because Paul is not only saying, yes, there is a God. He's saying there's only one God. This God is not an option among all the different options of gods that you can choose from. This God is the one and only God. And then Paul starts by showing that this God has revealed himself in creation. Verses 24 through 28 display this clearly. Verse 24, Paul begins his sermon by saying, The God, not a God, the God who made the world and everything in it is Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. So here's this independent creator God who has created everything and he is Lord over all the heavens and the earth. And he has revealed himself in creation because he, God, gives all men life and breath and everything else. He is the sustainer. He is the one who is providing your each and every breath. Continuing with his description of creation, Paul says, from one man, that is Adam that we talked about last week, he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the time set for them in the exact places where they should live. This is providence. This is the providence of God. In verse 27, God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. Paul here is saying that the God who created everything, who is the Lord of heaven and earth, who has given each and every one of you your life, and who has placed you providentially exactly where you are, has done so that you may look around at everything you see, know that there's a God, and reach out to Him. Reach out to him. Then he does something which has caused all kinds of debate. He quotes from some of their poets. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Paul is okay with being all things to all men that some may be saved. And he's okay with taking the truth that may be found in poets who are not believers. But the understanding that all truth is God's truth. And these things which are spoken by Paul, he is applying to God. For in God, the one and only God, we live and move and have our being. And we are his offspring. We are created in his image. Creation screams out. There is the God. The God. And I know this for a fact because I don't know if you've done this, but I've often gone somewhere where it's dark, you know, right here when we live next to the city, you have all that light pollution from the city and looked up at the sky and seen all the stars in the sky and all their wonder and all their array and thought to yourself, how can someone look up at that and say, there is no God? There is no God. But God also reveals Himself to us in our conscience. That is to say, creation is a very outward reality. But conscience is an inward reality. It means that God has not only revealed Himself to us outwardly, but He has revealed Himself to us inwardly. Conscience is a very Uh, interesting word it's from the Latin with knowledge with knowledge it means that each and every person has an innate knowledge of God it's what Paul was speaking of in Romans 1 he's not only talking about creation revealing God and his character and his nature but he also talks about how everyone has a conscience knowing right from wrong knowing what is right what is wrong and where does that come from it comes from God. Look here in verse 29. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by man's design and skill. What's Paul doing here? He's bringing up the moral law. He's bringing up the commandment that says, You shall not worship God as an idol. He is not an idol. He is not a created thing. You shall worship him in spirit and in truth. You shall worship him without images, without bowing down to such things. He's appealing to the conscience. He's appealing to the innate knowledge each and every one of us have that God is real and that God is righteous and has a standard of righteousness for each and every one of us to know right from wrong, to know what sin is. You see, in this situation, Paul does not shy away. From their idolatry. He makes it the main point. He makes it the point that leads to his gospel presentation. He says, you all are worshiping. And your expression of worship is an abomination to God. To the unknown God. Your expression of worship is sinful. And that's why he says... God overlooked such ignorance in the past, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. He commands all people everywhere to repent. This God is now commanding that people turn from their sin, put their faith and their trust in the perfect and satisfactory work of Jesus Christ. And that's why finally, God reveals himself in Christ. Now, by this, I mean two things. I mean that he reveals himself in special revelation, was often called the Word, which is what shows us who Christ is. Where do we find out that Christ came, was born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was buried? Descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. Where do we learn all that? We learn it from God's word. It's God's word which shows us who Christ is. It's God's word who reveals to us Christ. And it's Christ who reveals to us God. And Paul, his biggest gospel presentation in Athens is to speak about the death and burial uh, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He says in verse 31, He has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. It was Paul's discussion in verse 18 that he was speaking about the good news of Jesus and the resurrection that was the reason he was brought to the Areopagus to speak about this. Christ reveals to us the character of God, God's nature, God's love, God's wrath, God's grace. The Word of God, the Logos, the Word of God shows us our salvation. reveals to us the good news of Christ. Is there a God? Yes. This God has revealed Himself in creation. This God has revealed Himself in our conscience. And this God has revealed Himself fully and ultimately and completely in Christ. Now, In closing, I want to say this. That the response Paul got to his message was mixed. Some people got upset and sneered at Paul. Those who were calling him an idle babbler. Because he spoke about the resurrection of the dead. How absurd is that? They said. But others said, we want to hear you again on this subject but also a few became followers of Paul and believed in the good news of Christ people of God that's what happens every time the gospel is proclaimed faithfully and truthfully some sneer some say they want to hear more Some believe. And this is why it's so important to keep in mind that if you are faithful and you have a true and sincere love for others and you're sharing the gospel, the results are not up to your performance. They're up to God, the Lord, heaven and earth, who created all things sustains each and every one of us. And I feel I would miss an opportunity if I did not say now. That if there is anyone here who has yet to come to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. You can always speak to me about it. Maybe you want to know more, as some did in Athens. Maybe you sneered. Maybe you came to faith and believed when you heard that Christ was the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world and who died for all who have faith in Him. Nevertheless, God is faithful, God is true. There is a God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to look at your word. We pray, Lord, that you would help us. Help us to know you more. Help us to bring others to know you more. And to share That it's good news that there is a God because you, Father God, have given us good news in Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.